brought my books. My husband thinks I read too much. <laughs> he might be right. Um, let's see. My name is Sherry. I'm a very grateful member of Al-Anon. Hi, Sherry. I'm not the voice of the conference. I don't want to read that one. Through God's grace and the program of Al-Anon and great sponsorship, mean sponsorship. Let's just call it for what it is. <laughs> Loving sponsorship. I've been a very grateful member of Al-Anon since March 2001. Um, I, I might have met Patty in the 90s. I went to a few meetings back in 95. Somebody suggested I go. I was dating this man... Um, <laughs> This was the prerequisite to date me. He had a Harley, tattoos, long hair. He was a runner, and he looked like Jesus. And I'm like, that was, that was cool. So we didn't last long. And um, somebody said, and I was in recovery before I came to, before I went to a few of those meetings. I'm in another fellowship. I really want to respect Al-Anon and tell you my Al-Anon story, but I'm also in another program, and it saved my life, um, without a doubt. I'm 25. No, I don't know. I got a, I got a few years in that program, and I'm grateful. Uh, so I went to a few meetings back in '95, and I couldn't relate. I couldn't identify most of the uh, people in those meetings. I'm from Claremont County, Ohio. From what I remember, you know, they were women, and they were married to alcoholic men, and, and I was not married to an alcoholic man, and I was under the impression that if I went to Al-Anon, that that meant I was blaming my dad for my problems. My dad's a sober member of AA. Thank you very much for saving his life. He passed it on to me and uh, some other, and my brothers as well. I don't know if they wanted or need it, uh, but I'm here, and I am so grateful for that. I don't take that for granted. I'm not, uh, my husband's more of a feeler than I am. <laughs> All these emotions are just getting away. They're like flies. They're just kind of, <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> Don't be feeling all over the place. I couldn't stand it when people would be crying at the podium. I'm like, oh my God, sit down. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't deal with my own feelings. I wasn't going to deal with yours. You know, it's just way too much. Uh, I really liked the speakers last night. One of them talked about being all over the place on the same way. I'm gonna, I'll try to, you know, tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. But, um, I mean, Al-Anon is such a mystery to me. I've been here a long time, and I'm still like, I was in the meetings for years, and I'd think, why am I here? And I think I'm bright. And I've been there for years, and I'm like, I'm not sure why I'm here. And I, I finally heard it. It was at my, um, I've had a few different home groups. I was at my Tuesday night home group in um, Mount Washington. It's a meeting where we talk, uh, they ha we have a speaker. They, you know, you talk on a, a step and a tradition, and then everybody else gets to share. And this woman was speaking, and she talked about recovering from the family disease of alcoholism, from the effects of alcoholism. I'm like, bingo. That's why I'm here. I'm not here because of any 
specific alcoholic. And, uh, you know, when they talk about the, the effects of alcoholism, this is one of my favorite books. I got this book early when I got here. It's called How Al-Anon Works. I'm not promoting this. I'm not trying to sign you up, right? We don't get a toaster for signing you up. Uh-huh. It's just a good book. And somebody said, this is our big book. Now, when I was 18, year old, 18 years old, my dad gave me a big book, a 12 and 12, and a, a daily reader from another program. So I've been reading that big book for over 40 years. I know this is Al-Anon, but I was raised with that stuff. My dad got sober. And... Um, and he gave me that literature because I was, uh, I had an eating disorder. I'm recovering from bulimia. I'm doing very well. I'm in a program for that. So I used that literature. I mean, my, my deal was food. I'm powerless over food, not booze. I know where I belong and, and where I'm at. And I just lost my train of thought. Oh, oh, the effects of alcoholism. But apparently it's okay because she, and, and who says we can't cuss? Is that, I mean, last night she said no swearing. You didn't tell me that. Is there like no cousin? What's that, rule 63? No cousin. I'm like, well, you just cut 25% of my vocabulary. We'll be out of here in 20 minutes. The alcoholics just went, yay. Good. Um, so on, on page 20 of this book, just, I'll just read. In short, the effects of alcoholism, obsession, anxiety, anger, denial, and feelings of guilt tend to persist until we seek recovery for ourselves. The effects of alcoholism. Now, I'm not saying there aren't more. And I'm not saying that if you have these, it's because of alcoholism. This is just my story. And some of my, probably a lot of my recovery in Al-Anon has been academic, uh, cognitive, intellectual. I'm a thinker. I, I like to read. My hobby is philosophy. I think I'm just boring. You know, I might just be... But I, I like to read and I like words, so I try to pay attention and... Do you have a tissue somewhere? Yes. Al- Al-Anons always have tissues. I don't, but they do, because there's always going to be somebody crying in our meeting. And uh, thank you, because you're allowed to feel in the meeting. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about growing up with alcoholism. Um like I said, my dad got sober, and if my mom was up here speaking, she'd give you a different story. Uh, but like I said, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm fortunate my dad got sober when I was probably around five years old. And I don't remember a lot of terrible, bad things happening. Uh, you know, my dad was a man that loved his kids. And so I, I mean, I was fortunate, but I also remember at one point mom left him. It was early in the morning, and all of us kids had to leave, and there might have been some violence and mayhem. I don't know, but it was scary, and I was around five years old, and we moved in with her friends, and we stayed there for a while, and they put me in front of the TV to watch The Wizard of Oz. Now, some of you may think that's a wonderful movie. 
What I remember is that horrible green witch. And then there's monkeys. And then if you get an apple from a tree, the tree slaps you. And I'm five. I'm already scared, right? It was terrifying. I mean, that was just, that's what I remember. Uh, Being afraid. I did have some genetic testing done. I am related to the Tin Man. Third cousin, right? Uh, He... He kept saying that he wanted a heart, but he, I mean, he had one. He just didn't, perhaps he just didn't know it. He just couldn't feel it. And if there, and I think that's what Elanon has done for me. It has thawed my heart. I came in here angry. I did not want to be here. I did not want to hang with the women. Uh, some people talk about being a double winner. I came to Elanon thinking I am a double loser. <laughs> I'm here with the women. I'm in my other fellowship. I'm still struggling. I'm st- it's still beating me up. And, uh, and now I'm here with you. Uh. <laughs> I did not grow up respecting women. There were a lot of women. My parents got divorced. There were a lot of women in my dad's life. They came and went. Girlfriends, some, some he married, some he didn't. The only ones I liked were the ones that really gave me a lot of attention or bought me things. And that would, uh, I wanted my dad's attention. I wanted his time, money, and love. I got married last year. And, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of good in Al-Anon. It has, it has let me see a lot of good things about myself. And it also, I just love my sponsor. I am so grateful to be able to sit and talk and share my inventory and not be shamed or made to feel guilty, but to dig this stuff up and see what it is and to be told, you know, we're selfish too. We can be selfish and self-seeking and dishonest and extremely fearful. You don't have to be alcoholic to be beaten up by alcoholism. I ain't alcoholic. I was in AA for three years. A few people diagnosed me. They said, well, you're an alcoholic. I said, well, you might be right. Um, I did drink. I, uh, I seldom had one if I did. Uh, there was a time when I couldn't be with men without alcohol. It was just too intimate, you know, too intimate. <clears throat> but there's also, you know, a part in the book where it says, some can quit given sufficient reason or you know if given some reason you can stop and I was able to stop back in 1995 because it led me back to to my disease bulimia that's where booze will take me that's my that's my thing and I was able to put it down I haven't drank since 95 and I'm grateful and I was in AA for three years and I love the dances and I love the men right I mean come on Sheesh, they're everywhere. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was great. But I always thought, you know, um, and I've also, I've, been, I've listened to a lot of tapes. So if I say something and you know, well, so-and-so said that, you're right. You're, you might be right. Because um, I've been listening to tapes and reading this stuff for a long time. And it's just in my head. And I used to listen to this guy. I think he's passed now. Uh, this alcoholic, Joe Hawk. And he said, you have to, um, 
You have to find, I don't remember exactly what he said, but find out who you are and where you belong. You can't start your recovery on a fundamental lie. Thank God he said that. You know, people would say, well, if you're in the room, you're in the right place. Nuh-uh. That's horseshit. <laughs> That's what my dad would say. And he'd say, uh, and my dad also told me, don't take on a disease that you don't have. And I'm like, I am free. I do not belong here. I do not belong in AA. I wanted to be because they were men. <laughs> and I had a sponsor. We didn't last long either. She said, you can't be hateful and grateful at the same time. And I thought, well, I hate you. <laughs> and, um, but she got me doing inventory right away. Looking at myself, and I thought, how can I have a sponsor that I can't stand? I'm like, I just can't stand her. And then she moved. I'm like, ah, you know. That was good. Uh, oh, getting back to growing up with alcoholism. I did things, and thank you so much for your story this morning and, uh, and the speakers last night. So I grew up feeling like I was, I have two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, and I thought, uh, I just always had this sense about being super protective of my younger brother. And I remember one time, this is how giving I am. I'll throw myself, you know, under the bus for you. At, a, at an early age, we were all eating M&Ms or something, jumping on the bed, and I thought, what if Aaron swallows one? He was like one or something, and I'm, I'm young, and so I, uh, I thought, well, I'm going to take one for the team here. I'm probably three or four. <laughs> so I, I just swallowed an M&M whole, because, you know, if he swallows one, will it kill him? So already at three or four, I'm ready to put my life on the line. <laughs> And I, I swallowed it, and I didn't die. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's okay for Aaron. Anyway, just having, like, being protective. And, like, it's my responsibility. And then later, feeling like it's my responsibility. If he calls me and he's in jail, i got to go get him. He's in the ditch. i got to go get him. He's uh, one, one day a few years ago, he was walking down the street. He didn't have a car again. So I picked him up. I'm like... He, yeah, I needed, I'm thinking he needs bread and milk and eggs and carrots, you know, food group stuff that humans need. So I take him to the store and he comes out with like a pack of smokes and this big box of beer. I'm like, it was like a TV. I'm like, do they make boxes of beer? And it was like a suitcase. I thought, what are you doing? I thought you were, I thought you were drinking and, and, uh. Dad was out of town, and Dad let Aaron stay at his house by himself. I thought, bad idea. What are you thinking? Well, he's sober now. I'm like, not for long. Because we live out in the country. Not, not that you can't be sober out in the country, but it's quiet out there, and you're by yourself. Uh, I mean, you can be sober out there. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I reckon you can be. I don't know. Um, so getting back to alcoholism, I just I grew up very extremely self-conscious. I grew up uh, feeling like an outsider. Uh, at a, at an early age, even something like kindergarten, and then being angry, being really angry, 
I remember it was like first or second grade, and little Johnny liked to. I remember, I'm, I'm not first grade anymore, and I remember this like it was yesterday. This little kid Johnny had this fire truck, and he, I'd be jumping rope, and Johnny would like circle around me with this fire truck, and I'm livid. I'm like, angry, you know, because he's doing this, and I don't realize that I'm an angry child, and that would just stay with me. I don't know why I'm angry. But I was, and I'd make fun of people, and then later in life I'd be calling them a meathead, and then I'd get in trouble for calling people meathead, and flying paper airplanes, just being angry and negative. One time in high school, this, you know, the rich, happy kids, they're always like rich and happy and popular. I group everybody, everybody's in a group. I was in the trailer park group, so I lived in a trailer park, and then a you know, one of these happy, rich kids is like, he says, why are you so negative? And I was so embarrassed. And I'm sure I said something philosophical, like, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. I just look at reality. But I was embarrassed, because he was happy. And I'm not. And untreated, I, I, I'm just not fond of your happiness. I just don't want to hear about it. I don't care. And it was hard coming into recovery because you're just so grateful. Good for you. You know, good for you. That's great. I'm miserable. It's not your, gr- your gratitude. It, your gratitude just shines a light on my misery. That's all that is. That's all that is. And when I'm not treated, I can't be happy for you. I came in here angry, full of envy, and self-pity. They go together. Those are my primary offenders. Resentment's a big one, so is fear. But when I'm not uh, spiritually fit or whatever, I can get envious, and I can have a lot of self-pity. And that's just a, it's just a sign. Today I can recognize, okay, this is what's going on. Don't take it personal. Don't take your defects of character personal. They're just, there's a name for it. It's all right. Um, when I was 18 years old, my father took me to some meetings uh, for my eating disorder. And, uh, you know, I just wasn't ready. I, I, I'm just telling you that because it was part of my recovery. By the time I got to Al-Anon in 2001, I had enough recovery no, I had enough information about recovery to judge Al-Anon and criticize it. You ever do that? Go into a different fellowship and, well, you're not doing it, right? Uh, but I was so broken and so lost and so dazed and confused. A buddy of mine suggested I write down four words to help guide me. I, I did that, but then I lost. Here, here they are. Okay. What, what was it like before Al-Anon? Hopeless and bewildered. All right. That's what it was like before I got here. And when I started going to those meetings, I had gone to a few back in 95, couldn't relate. Six years later, back in 2001, my dad's getting a divorce. And I, I figured they were. They were both sober members of AA, but I drove by their house one day, and I thought, I just I need her truck to be there, right? I need her to be there to be okay. 
And that didn't make a lick of sense. And one of my buddies said, why don't you go to a Saturday morning meeting in Kentucky, in uh, Fort Thomas, Saturday morning meeting, just try it. So I went. I was low enough to be willing to try Al-Anon again and listen to her because I respect her. Neat woman in recovery. I just love her today. So I went to that Saturday morning meeting and I just started hearing things and I just started crying. I thought, I am so lost. I am so lost. I don't have a clue. I was, uh, that was 2001. I don't know, what's that, maybe 35 years old. And I just started listening and got literature. You don't have to, you know, you can have a bad, wrong motive and do the right thing and still get benefit. I think you touched on it this morning. Um, So I I got a sponsor because she looked like she was popular. I wanted to be with the in-group, and they were happy, and so I got with that group. And I remember this one lady, you, you, um, in the meetings, she would share and be of service and do all her announcements and just be happy and another trailer buddy. And, I, and she would share about her life and her problems and, problems and things. And I thought, your life's a mess. Your life's terrible. It's almost worse than mine. But she was happy. Remember that? I thought, damn, that's just weird. So happy, giving announcements. And uh, I ended up getting, you know, the same sponsor she had. We all kind of ran in the same circle, and then, like, I became the GR. What it was like, what happened? This is what happened. I tried to... So I became open and willing. That's the second part of my story. I became open and willing to go to these meetings. I got a sponsor, started working the steps, started hanging with these women, and not, you don't even have to be particularly fond of them. Right. I just follow people around. But also, this is how boring my life was. I was unemployed at this point. I might have been working. I don't know. There was unemployment and poverty and mayhem. I was in the Navy. I'm a geographical cure person. You know, I've lived in different countries and here and there. And by 2001, and you know, I also had a daughter. So anyway, I'm just going to cut to the chase and get to some recovery. So I'm doing the deal, and I'm a GR, and I go to the district meetings, and I just start doing things. And uh, there was a a gentleman named Bill T. I felt like he took me under his wing, but he would take a lot of new people under his wing. I remember one time I had been in Al-Anon maybe a year or so, and I was at that Saturday morning meeting, and there's Bill, and I'm like going to go talk to Bill, and there's a newcomer, and Bill's talking to the newcomer, and I'm like... Why is he talking to the newcomer? I'm here. Like, I need Bill. And I'm, and I'm mad because he's talking to a newcomer. And I'm still miserable. I'm just, my stars. That's me, untreated, miserable. But I'm doing the deal, and I'm coming, and uh, I would take my daughter to meetings sometimes. We'd say the, the prayer. She'd, hide, she'd get under the table. She dabbled in Alateen for a while. And I just started doing the deal, and, and my life started getting better, and it started changing. And like I said, I, uh, 
I lived in a trailer park as a kid, but then later I got out of the Navy and I got to live right by my dad. He has, he has two acres, and then I had an acre right next to him out in New Richmond, Ohio, and I really loved it out there. It was quiet. You know, we had this trailer, and, um, and, and this is how this higher power works, this, this God works in my life. I, you know, I had quit a, a job. God thinks God's funny. I, I tell God all the time, you're not that funny. Leave being funny up to me. You're really not that good at it. So in 95, I, I had a really good job. I made good dough, and, uh, and I quit. You know, I, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and bulimia. I just couldn't get it together, and, and I left that job to go back to school. And it's taken a lot of step work, years and years of step work, to get over the guilt and shame of leaving that job. It took, it w- that would have taken care of my daughter and I financially, and I left. A couple years ago, my husband retired from that same company. <laughs> really? That's great. I'm happy. That's great. It is great. I mean, that's, you've done well. That's great. <laughs> that's great. How much money would I have if I had stayed there? Nope. Nope. Not me, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> Yeah, God's funny. Uh, so, you know, eventually I I was able to, things just started changing. You know, I went back to work. I started working, got some jobs that were not good for me. I'm not good sitting at a desk with a computer and a monitor. Sometimes you have two monitors. I'm like, how do you do two monitors? Isn't one enough? No. You have to... This is insane. And uh, one time my boss said, Sherry, this isn't for everybody. (laughs) I thought it shouldn't be for anybody. How do you do this? This is horrible. This is is horrible. I left that job. They say, don't leave a job until you have another one. You can. You can do it. I do it all the time. I was afraid that I was going to go back to, uh, you know, eating and lose my recovery. I thought I can't do it anymore. This kid, I don't want to say it's killing me, but uh, I, want to, I want to just really move forward. So I made some decisions and, and, and changed jobs and trusted God and got another job. And then, you know... I'm a, I'm a job hopper. I heard this lady say it in a meeting a few weeks ago. She's being a job hopper. I'm like, me too. There's a name for it. Job hopper. <laughs> Hop jobs. <laughs> I guess it's all right, you know. Uh, I pay my taxes today. I, I had a sponsor once. I was so ate up with fear. I have like this super small business and I never pay taxes on it. It's my business. It's my money. I'm not giving the government any. It's my business. It's my money. And I'm, for some reason, it came out in the fifth step and my, the sponsor was like, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to tell the IRS. They're going to come back. I'm going to be in trouble. They said no. But from now on, you pay your taxes on the income that you make. And so I pay my taxes on the income that I make. And that feels good, and it feels right. If, if I want to live in the country, I need to pay my dues. That's how, I mean, we got a great 
country here, and uh, I can be grateful for that and respect it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump further. I'm gonna I, I think I'm just gonna tell you what it's like today. I got a really good life, and there were a lot of times in my life where I had a really good life, but you wouldn't have known it. And I'm not, I'm not real, I know I'm leaving so much stuff out. But uh, they said, trust, trust God, you know, I've, I've heard the trust God, clean house, help, help others. I try to do that today. I try to run with the winners. I love these women up here. I love every one of them, and I respect them, and I listen to them in the meetings. I'm really learning about service work. I got this, and Alan, on you know, there's a you have a sponsor, and then sometimes you can get a service sponsor, and I had never heard of that. I thought, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I have a sponsor, and something told me this year. Why don't you get a service sponsor? So I just listened, and I have a service sponsor. And I have done, you know, some service here and there in Al-Anon, GR, and newsletters, and all these different things. And, and this is how my mind works. We, were, we needed a newsletter person. This was years ago. And I'm thinking, okay, there'll be a, we'll have to submit a writing, a writing sample to be the newsletter person. There'll be a board of people that will read our sample to become the newsletter editor person. And I go up to Bill, and I'm telling Bill, and he starts laughing at me. He liked to laugh at me frequently. Because <laughs> I'm telling him, well, I, my minor is English, and I think, you know, I could do this job. He starts laughing. He says, the only requirement is willingness. <laughs> and I'm like, and nobody else wanted it. Nobody else, I'm like, nobody wants this? can you not want this? No one else wanted it. That's often how it is. Like, no one else wants it. So I did that, and I had no idea how to do it, but my sponsor, she had done it before. She said, come to my house, I'll teach you. God, what is it? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I love that. I think I have to know how to do it before I show up, which will prevent vet me from showing up in the first place because I've already thought myself out of it. Uh, I used to study exercises obsessively before I went to the gym and did it because I think I have to know how to do it before I get there. That sets up a lot of fear, panic, and anxiety, so I'll just make the decision and not go because I can't do it. That's my, that's me untreated. I can't do it. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to bother. Uh, I wanted to come into life and be invisible. And yet this higher power is like, you have a voice. I expect you to use it. Show up. Be of service and what can you do? One of my jobs right now is lifeguarding. Apparently some lifeguards a long time ago used to lifeguard high. I won't say who it is. <laughs> Whoa, really? Really? <laughs> Woo, and I think I'm a bad lifeguard. Isn't it? 
Oh, I forgot to thank people. Thank, thank you, Josh and Hannah, for asking me. They asked me 14 months ago. I've been given this story 14 months. 14 months of preparation. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. You could have asked me 14 minutes beforehand. It would have been the same story. Yeah. It's good, it's good. I thought, you know, when they asked me, they must see how special I am. Right? That's it, that's right. Or, Chris has a new girlfriend. Chris is cool. We like Chris. Let's get his girlfriend to talk. Plus, she's local and free. We won't have to buy her a plane ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We get to go to concerts with them, and uh, I, we, I get to. There's a buddy of mine in here somewhere. I was talking to her a while ago, and she's like, what, what, did you, what do you get to do today? Mm-hmm. I get to cut the grass. I get to cut the grass. Yeah, why don't you come cut our grass and tell me that you get to cut the grass? Because it's hard to do. What do you get to do today, Sherry? Oh. Cut the grass. Uh, Alanon has taught me to be honest. Last year, we purchased some tickets to go to a concert, which means apparently none of the other alcoholics had a credit card and they needed to use mine. <laughs> And then I find out how much the tickets are per person. Per person. One ticket. And later, y'all think it's funny. I'm talking to Josh. He's like, this was last year when we bought the tickets. Are you excited? I thought, I'm going to go out on a limb here and be honest. I said, no, Josh. I'm not excited. I'm physically ill. We just dropped a lot of dough on a rock concert. I don't make, I'm a lifeguard. And I don't even smoke pot. I'm a sober lifeguard. I don't make that kind of money. So no, I'm not excited, I said, but I will be. And I was, and we got to go to this concert, and I'm like, look at her. And it was worth it. And I was so grateful. That was awesome. I'm going to tell you a little bit more. I, uh, I have two brothers. We're not real close. I'm, in March, March 15th of this year, my dad died. And uh, he, he loved this NFL team whom I hate. But uh, <laughs> that's an outside issue. Oh, man, that's an outside. Is that an outside issue? Oh, don't take yourself too damn seriously. That's fine. <laughs> going to keep that baby right up there. My paw can't be here. But um, when he was in the emergency room, this is how Al-Anon has helped me. One Saturday morning, my husband was going on a hike with his kid. And for some reason, I sat this one out. I don't know why I did. And my father's wife gives, gives me a call March of this year. She says, uh, you know, Sherry, your dad's not breathing well. We're going to go to the emergency room. I'm going to call 911. We need you to come here, and I'll ride with you or whatever. And I said, that's fine, but if, if Father's not breathing, you might need to call 911 now. Do you need to do that? Is he okay? And she said, yes, he's okay, he's fine. But uh, 
he wants you to come here, I'll ride with you. I said, that's fine. But before, and instead of dropping everything, I thought I have to pack my lunch. I do, literally. I have to pack my lunch before I go. And it takes me a while to prepare my food. And I did it as quickly as I could, and a snack. I have to, I have to do that stuff for myself. That's part of my treatment and recovery. So I didn't just drop everything and go. We were there for a few hours. And in the emergency room, you know, only one person at a time, and uh, then I got to chat with my dad, sober member of AA, like I told you. I appreciate that. And um, he said, you're a good daughter. And uh, I am so grateful. I used to just get so mad at my dad. One time I was having boy trouble, and he says to me, this too shall pass. <laughs> I said, is that all you got is that AA stuff? <laughs> and uh, that's not bad. Uh, and I'm, I'm super grateful. He, uh, you know, this is, this is how fortunate I am. I, I have this. My dad gave this to me on January 27th of 85. He said, this is the first day of the rest of your life. The longest journey starts with, starts with a single step. Love, Dad. I, I still have that. So, um, when my father passed, when he died, March 15th of this year, you know, he was in the ICU, and me, my daughter Heidi, and my uh, husband were right there. Um, I mean, that's just priceless. That's a big deal. Sometimes when people, you know, I, I've just heard, you know, nothing's a big deal anymore. It's There's no more big deals. And I guess I, I get that. But there's a lot of big deals in my life, and they better be, because it's not a given. Right? Some people grow up, you have these, or you, you, women, some women, they have these babies, and they're just like, ooh, and they're close, and they're like, ooh, my baby. And I'm rocking my baby feeling like nothing. What is wrong with me? I hated myself. What is wrong with you? God gave me this beautiful kid. She wasn't planned. Uh, as much as I was able to, you know, I was 23, I met her, her father in Greece, we were in the Navy. As much as I was capable of loving some person, you know, we loved each other. We didn't, we didn't plan on having a kid or anything like that, and we did. And uh, Boy, jumping all over the place. I just remember thinking, what is wrong with me? I felt like Humpty Dumpty, but, there was just like a, but I was like an empty eggshell. You know, because you're supposed to, what do you, what do you say, bond. You're supposed to bond with your kid. I wasn't able to do that. I love this. What's it say? Banded together to solve their common problem. We are. And I've been to these conferences where people, like, they read and get up and leave. I'm like, you're not going. You're staying right here. Ain't nobody, I mean, that's, that's abandonment. <laughs> that's like, you're not leaving. 
I'm going to tell you some good stuff, and well, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, my daughter and I are good today. We're close, and I love her, and I let her know it, and she loves me. Sometimes she'll send me a text, and she'll say, "Hey, Mama, how you doing?" That's that's wonderful. That's beautiful. Um, tell you some funny stuff. Some funny shit about my husband. <laughs> Feeling pretty powerful up here. <laughs> this is the kind of band of alcoholics I run with. So, I'm just going to tell on them. I won't say any names. I think it's my husband. I don't know. But there, if I say certain things up here, I can walk out of here with $200. That's right. I'm just kidding. Well, no, they did say that though. I mean, one person offered me a hundred bucks if I say this, and then a sponsor says, "Well, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you say that." So that's like two hundred dollars. That's spiritual money, though. <laughs> spiritual money. <laughs> so. years ago, I was going to my home group uh, on a Tuesday night, and um, I noticed that being overran with alcoholics, there were like more alcoholics come in and come in, and uh, it felt like a high school dance now. You know, I, there were, uh, there was this one alcoholic, and kept showing up, and I, I had a crush on him. I've had a crush on a lot of them, and anyway, we, we had a few dates, and they were horrible. <laughs> They were, they were terrible. <laughs> and then one time a friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to this uh, AA out at the Eastside Clubhouse comedy show or whatever. So I put it on Facebook. I never put stuff on Facebook. I didn't even know how. But I learned to put it on Facebook. He calls me and says, hey, are you going to that? And I'm like, yeah. I'm going. You know, we, we had gone on some of these dates and they were horrible. And But I, I did my sex inventory. I'm calling my sponsor. I'm doing the deal. It's like it keeps happening. So I, I do my sex inventory. And what I learned, the number one thing I learned when I did that was I am not honest. I do not tell you the truth. Not men. Probably anybody else. But definitely with them. I don't speak up. So we, uh, you know, so now... You know, we go on bad dates, work on my program. I'd seen him at my home group, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm not running from him. You know, we're, we're good. And we started, we just started dating again. I thought, you know, we just, let's try it again. But I wasn't chomping at the bit. I wasn't chasing him anymore. I had done some online dating, and I had gotten to the point. I'd never been married before. Like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I? Why aren't I married? And then I thought, there ain't nothing wrong with you. I'm too concerned about what you think about me as a married, as a, as a single woman in my 50s. That's the problem. What do you think of me? None of my business what you think of me. And I'm praying, and I thought, if I die and I'm never married, can I be okay? Absolutely. No problem. 
However, uh, I did pray. I said, I would like to learn how to love a man. I would like to experience that. I don't have to be married. Uh, about six months later or so, he and I start dating again. At uh, one point, he breaks up with me, broke my heart. But I thought, if it takes my heart being broken to learn that I even have one, all right. All right. I'm okay with that. And, um, you know, he called me and broke up with me, and I just took it. I didn't say anything. A few days later, I thought, I didn't say a word. I just sat there and took it. <laughs> I thought, I would call him back. But I prayed, and I got centered, and I thought, I'm not calling him back to try to catch him and reel him back in. If, he's, if we're done, we're done. But I'm going to tell you where I'm at and how I feel. And I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm like, I'm still, I'm still in. I, I, I like this guy. Now, if you're done and we're done, okay. But I'm not. I mean, and I just want you to know that. Uh, and he, I think he said something like, okay, yeah, I'll call you. <laughs> sure you will. Sure. Sure. Uh, I don't know. We started dating again and uh, started dating and and he asked me to move in with him and I called a lot of women I didn't call you to say what should I do I just I reasoned things out and then I lined up five different couches in case it didn't work out you need you know if it doesn't work out I have my daughter's couch I got my best friend's couch I got all these couches lined up in case I need to leave live together and um and it was hard. He's got a bunch of kids. I think it's about time for me to wrap up. Man, so much to say, but a lot of gratitude. We got married last year, May May 22nd, and I've never been married before. My father, this is God's humor, my dad was married five times. I am number five. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's spiritual. That's spiritual accounting. That's what that is. Number five. I dig that. Um, we have a good life today, and I also know that I can think my way out of a really good life. I can do that. So it's really important that I do this deal every day. I hang with the winners. At first, I wanted to run from them because, well, you know how they are. They're just like happy. Hey. <laughs> What do you want to do for service? Nothing. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the hotel room. I got to sleep in this room last night. When I, when I got up this morning, or in the middle of the night to go pee, I didn't have to make sure if the seat was up or down. It's down. Because he was at home. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for the hotel. There were... Um, privilege and an honor, and I'll pass. Thank you.